This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's Macy's Labor Day sale, so gear up as summer cools down with 30% off timeless looks from Levi's and specials like 30 to 50% off statement making shoes for her and 60% off luggage from Samsonite and more. Or use your coupon or Macy's card and get an extra 20% off more great deals. Plus, Star Rewards members can earn rewards even faster during Macy's Star Money bonus days. Going on now. Savings off regular sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. This podcast is proudly in association with Pitch Sport Football, the app that allows you to interact with other West Ham fans, pick your starting eleven, and participate in fan time videos. This app is absolutely free, so like I've done, like X has done, and like thousands of other West Ham fans have done, get this downloaded if you haven't already. That's Pitch Sport Football. You're listening to the West Ham Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi! Hello and welcome to the West Ham Way podcast with myself Dave Walker and serial YTK blogger XWHU employee. The bubbles are flying high for West Ham after another win and back-to-back clean sheets saw us move to 8th in the table. A brace from Hilaire was a difference at Bramall Lane, but was it more than just 3 points? After losing just 1 in the last 6, for the first time in a long time, can we expect a really good season this year? We'll be talking about the game, the players and the club in general before getting news from X and answering questions from patrons of the West Ham Way. That's all coming up on tonight's show. X, another game, another three points. We're going from strength to strength, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, it was really, really pleasing. I thought we played really well. Um, obviously, we only won by one goal. And yeah, Sheffield United, uh, um, not the team they were last year. But I, I thought we had many chances to wrap the game up. And I thought, you know, we were comfortable for the win. And it's a, another good win. You know, we, we're picking up points, getting, picking up three points against the teams that we should beat. And... Um, 
get playing well and getting the odd points and three points here and there against teams that are more of a challenge. So things are looking good, mate. Well, uh, do you know what? I think you're spot on there because this is the sort of game that West Ham would typically lose. I think when you're doing well, it's easy to make the mistake of thinking it's a guaranteed win when you come up against a team that hasn't won all season. But I didn't make that mistake because I knew it was going to be a fight on Sunday because at some point, Sheffield United's luck has to change. And albeit with no fans, they were at home, they're desperate for the points. Wilder would have gotten well up for this game. And despite our form, I think they would have fancied it, to be honest. What ultimately do you think made the difference on the day? Uh, I just think we have better players, to be honest with you. As simple as that. I mean, I think we we um, we defended well. I think the 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 three at the back have formed a really really good partnership. Um, I think Ogbonna has been immense again. Obviously, continuing from his form last year, but I think he's turned into you know a very 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 consistent Premier League defender, and you can see why he is getting recalled for the Italian national team. I think both Cresswell and Balbuena have massively raised their games since um, mm. reverting to this formation and since being under Moyes. You know the fact that. Diop shouldn't play and I agree with the decision because I think Cresswell's been brilliant I mean Balbuena's done well um, so I think those three have been superb I thought Declan Rice was unbelievable um, what what is so good about him the amount of times I see him and I think oh, like we're going to lose the ball here and somehow he gets out of the situation with yeah. the ball and I think how has he got out of that you know and um, yeah I thought he was brilliant uh, I think he really um, stood out again and I think they just didn't have the quality that 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 we had, and had we taken our chances better, we could have won that two, three, possibly even four nil. Um, and that is a real, real good sign. Good for Hilaire to get his goal as well. Um, I think he's started to play a better. I wouldn't say I'm convinced by him still, but I think he's playing better. And obviously, that goal will. That will help um, help things. So I just think the defence being as solid as it is, Declan being a world-class player that he is, just gave us the, the difference between a what is, I guess, on paper without the crowd, like you say, because I, I think Sheffield United are probably the team that's been affected the most in the whole league mm-hmm. in a negative way by not having crowds. Um, the fact they haven't got them behind them nullified that sort of home advantage that they have. And if you look at their team from 1 to 11 and you compare it to West Ham's from 1 to 11, there's barely any Sheffield United player I would put in in uh, ahead of a, um, a West Ham player, if he was to pick a combined eleven out of the two, if anything, I can't actually think of one of theirs. Maybe, maybe Sanderberg, but I don't. Even, I can't remember if he played now, was if or not. But uh, there's not many. There's not many that you would that you would put in. Yeah, yeah, I know. But, uh, I t- I totally agree. I mean, I think they started the better team. I think they looked lively, and they were on the front foot from the get go. That's what I mean. I expected them to be up for it, and I think they was. Um, but Fabianski was back to his best, in my opinion. Made a few good saves early on that was important. And then as time progressed, I just think we settled into the game and, and we started to look just as dangerous as they did. I think both sides had their chances, to be honest. I actually called a draw before the game and I would have taken that. That's how mm. tough I expected it to be, regardless of their form. But uh, to get the win was unbelievable. I echo your comments about Declan Rice. I mean, it... what is he still doing here, X? I mean, how, how are clubs not flooding 
us with offers and fighting each other to get his signature. I think with it's not often that you can give the board some credit, but I think the fact that they have set out that they won't accept anything more than uh, like anything less, sorry, than 80 million. I think putting that stance out there put Chelsea off. Chelsea were the obvious main contenders to sign him, so I think that helped. I also think he's underrated by other clubs. Now, obviously, there's an interest in him, but they're looking at the 80 million figure and they're thinking, oh, wow, that's too much, you know, for West Ham. I got a bit carried away there. But actually, they haven't. And it's the position he plays, you know, because he's a defensive midfielder. You know, they don't score goals, particularly. Obviously, he scored for England the other day, but they don't traditionally score goals. They don't particularly do tricks or skills. They don't particularly always ping passes here, there and everywhere. But arguably, alongside the goalkeeper, they're maybe a centre-forward. They're the two or three most important players in the team. And, um, you know, you look at any team that's been successful over the years, you know, you look at your Arsenal's, the Invincibles, you know, they had Vieira, you look at Manchester United throughout the 90s, they had Roy Keane, you look at Chelsea in the early 2000s, they had Makaleli, you know, all these teams, even Brazil, you know, the, the world-class team Brazil always had the likes of Dunga and players mm. like that, you know, France 98, Deschamps, you know, they mm. all they all have that player that's the defensive midfielder, that's the, the link between having all those creative attacking players and having the protection for the defence. And he's just so important and so good. And, you know, without meaning to blow my own trumpet, I predicted from an early, early, early age that this success would come to him. But even I, I don't think think it was it was going to be this successful. You know, you, you, you're talking about a player that was rejected by Chelsea, by, that was a few, like, a few days or decisions away from being rejected by West Ham. I mean, ironically, the the club, I've said it before on this show, but the club were not going to, like, I mean, Ari, whether to offer him a scholarship, he was the last one in his age group to get it. And then credit to Mark Phillips. Mark Phillips decided to play him. And it sounds weird saying this, because obviously he's a midfielder now, but Mark Phillips, for the under-18s, I think it was, decided to play him as a centre-back against Fulham rather than a, a, a midfielder and he played brilliantly in that game and then he, I think he played two or three brilliant games there and they thought actually let's give this kid another chance and, but he was that close and I think he's just very similar to Frank Lampard like what which we found out from our interview with Tony Carr last week that he's very very dedicated to his career and his progression and he just puts hour upon hour into the training ground and has got to him himself to where he is now but also he's got the mentality which is needed, you know, he's a really level-headed, nice fella, and we are lucky to have him. I honestly believe he'll go on maybe in a year or two years to another club and be even better there. And then he, I, I, I honestly think there is no cap to what he can achieve. I, I could see quite realistically 27, 28, him playing for, you know, Real Madrid, Barcelona, someone like that. People might listen to me and say, oh, you're joking, mate. People said that to me when I said he'd be captain at 21 or playing for England or whatever. I honestly think he will progress that much. I don't think you're exaggerating at all. I mean, I, I cannot tell you how much I rate Declan Rice. I know you do, and I know West Ham fans do, but I just don't know why no one else can see it. It's so strange because 
even if you're not seeing him week in, week out, you must see the fact that he's won Hammer of the Year at a Premier League club at his age. You must see that even if you've got West Ham mates telling you that he is an eight or nine every single week consistently. And let's not overlook the fact that he's also available to play week in, week out. That's a massive bonus. Mm -hmm. He's also a club captain at his age. And if that isn't enough to convince people, he also represents his country and not only holds his own, but plays bloody well. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing that when we talk about Declan Rice and his future at West Ham, we only ever seem to be talking about Chelsea. I don't know why every club in the Premier League that could afford Declan is not smashing that door down, doing everything they can to sign him. Because Mm. like you, I totally agree that at the age of 27, 28, maybe even less than that, he could play for any club in the world. And I was going as far as to say, I genuinely, genuinely think he's one of the best players this club has ever seen. Well, mate, I, 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 for my sins, I tried to keep it a little bit quiet, but I did appear on a Chelsea podcast last week. Um, just, just because of all the fact that I break in the news and obviously the main theme was to talk about Declan. And what I said on that podcast was, I said at 21, I have seen Declan. I have seen Mark Noble. I've seen Michael Carrick, Frank Lampard, Rio, Jermaine Defoe, Glenn Johnson. You know, I went through all the academy players that I, I've seen come through and I said at 21 Declan Rice is better than all of them now the only one that possibly comes close to him or maybe two of them is maybe either Rio or Carrick I would say um, but I got absolutely destroyed by Chelsea fans they say oh he's a bitter West Ham fan you know he doesn't like Frank Lampard no West Ham fan likes Frank Lampard but it's not that at 21 Frank Lampard was nowhere near this good you know and you can you can compare that by the fact that Frank Lampard you I don't think he, he might have played once for England at that point. He had been a runner-up or hammer of the year for West Ham. Don't get me wrong, Frank Lampard went on to be a world-class player. You know, he came second in Ballon d'Or. He's Chelsea's all-time top scorer from midfield. You know, I'm not for one second saying that Declan Rice has achieved as much as Frank Lampard or, or even possibly will be as good at his peak as Frank Lampard was. But what I'm saying is at 21, he is that good um, and, and better than what Lampard was. And I, and I, and I also go back to the fact that it's I genuinely believe there is this thing with football fans that if you are an English player you are underrated and if you're a foreign player sometimes you're overrated Mm -hmm. Uh, for example if Declan Rice had been brought in from you know Bayern Munich or whatever and he was called or let's say he was brought in from you know Spain or Italy and he was called Declinio Ricio or something like <laughs> yeah. that you know Decchio Ricinli like you know he would <laughs> he would <laughs> trying to think of one he would he would honestly be racing but it's like Mason Mount you know Chelsea fans do not rate a lot of them do not rate Mason Mount a lot of English fans do not rate him but if you look at him technically he is a very very good player you know he he's got great goals to game ratio for england he's creative he's energetic technically he's very good but because he's called mason mount you know he he, i honestly believe people overlook him and again i know people are seeing these praises now but jack Grealish, you know he's look he's getting praised now but he's been this good for a number of years now and it's only now really that people are starting to pay pay any attention to him um and I, I don't know what it is mate i think it's just sometimes people just overlook overlook it and and 
Declan Rice is as good as anyone in defensive midfield. There's no one really out there that I look at. And yes, my knowledge of football is not not what it used to be. But there's if there's no one that I would say in that position. I'm like, ah, oh, I wish maybe we swap Declan and we could get him in because he's even better. There's no one I can think of. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And um, he was absolutely different class on Sunday again. But that's what you come to expect from him. It's what exactly. you come to expect from him. He's a he's a absolute world beater and yeah. um, I think we've just got to enjoy him whilst we've got him because sadly it's inevitable that he ain't going to be here for much longer in my opinion um, a man who has been here for a while and maybe even might retire here is Ogbonna and yeah. he really is a phoenix from the flames isn't he because he was dead and buried with West Ham fans not too long ago and yeah. I remember him being a real whipping boy and he's just literally you know, in his kind of, not twilight years as such, but he certainly is not in the peak of his career anymore, out of nowhere, just completely pulled that round for himself. And he's just different class. And he is really the central piece of that defence that holds everything together. Well, well, mate, look at the three of them, right? Yes, no, I know Ogbonna was performing for Pellegrini as well, but look at the three of them, Ogbonna, um, Cresswell and Balbuena, all three of them were on the way out and their careers yeah. looks pretty much over. And, th- and this is where you have to credit David Moyes. Mm. I mean, Aaron Cresswell is looking like a £20 million centre-back. You know, he's not only can he defend, but he's creative, he's good on set pieces, he's looking like a really classy player. Balbuena seems to have gained pace somehow and looks like he reads the game better now and Ogbonna, uh, like you say, he has uh, has um, completely turned his career around as well and I think those three are just so important. If you take it beyond just those three and you look at Masuaku, you know, he seems to be much more effective now Um, and that's another one you can throw into the mix that's that's massively improved. Antonio, you know, Antonio Mm -hmm. under Moyes is, is a much better player. That's five you know, all of these players seem mm. to be playing so much better. Fabianski, whilst I don't think he's completely back to his peak, certainly is performing better now than than he was, I would say, last year. Anyway, um, so you know, across there, and then and then you add the fact that he's brought in um, Kafal, who looks a bargain for for five million, and. Um, and Suchek, who again looks a bargain for his 13, 14 million fee. Arguably, and I know people say that he doesn't make subs very well, but there's not much more that David Moyes could do now to, mm. to be better. And mm. I, I think he just needs to take a massive credit for it. And and I and I agree on Bonner is a brilliant defender. He's an absolute rock, you know? Um, and, and he leads as well. Like he talk, you watch, you watch the games. He talks to those other two constantly throughout it. And he's constantly guiding them. And, you know, they're all very, very experienced. If you look at it, like, you know, Balbuena, captain of Paraguay, you know, played um, in the top, league in Brazil for numerous years. Ogbonna obviously played for Juventus and Italy can't really get much better in terms of defensive CV and Cresswell's paid, played, you know, countless amounts of games in the Premier League now and also been a hammer of the year. You know, they're all almost at their peak, I guess, in terms of Asian experience. And then you've got a young defender like Diop in the in the background that it's yeah it's looking good like we've discussed on previous shows before if you throw in Dawson and the fact we've got a couple of young centre backs I'm not sure there's a need to buy a centre back anymore. 
No, I know it's funny how it's turned out, and it. I mean, I just don't mm-hmm. think anyone could have seen this. I never saw it coming, and you're absolutely right. Credit where credit's due. Now, I've got to be honest, uh, and I've been asked this on the previous show. At what point am I going to start genuinely crediting David Moyes? And I said, well, probably around Christmas time, when we're around about the halfway mark. That's when I'll make a calculated judgment. Mm-hmm. Do you know what? I think I'm going to scrap that, and and I, and I wish he listened to this podcast, and maybe he does. Who knows? But. He's had his critics, and I don't think many have been more brutal than I have towards him. But I've got to say, with my hand on my heart, I do take that back. And I Mm. think I've been proven wrong. Because Mm. against all odds, and when I say against all odds, I also mean what he's had to put up with as well. You know, he, he was hired by West Ham and did the job that he was paid to do, then lost his job then got his job back. So, you know, his pride is on an emotional roller coaster for a start. Mm. But he's come in, probably peers and and other people in the profession might have been laughing at his position and possibly even desperation at taking the job at a quite publicly low wage just to get back into Premier League management. But he's done that. He's also done it, picking up the pieces from Pellegrini. He's also done it, being given next to no money from the board. When you need money at Premier League level to go and change a squad and make a difference to the squad and implement your own ideas. But he's somehow come through that and galvanised a group of players. Because let's not forget, I've, I've been saying now for how long that West Ham are a top seven, top eight team. Mm. But we just need to get the right manager in to come and get these players playing and get the best out of them to make it happen. Well, unbeknownst to me, we already had that manager. Because like I say, he's, he's, he's come through all of that. He's found the right formation. Um, he's, he's brought the best out of players that were dead and buried to a degree. His recruitment, whilst there were question marks over him previously, has been phenomenal, i.e. the find of Suchek, find of Shufal. And whilst we're talking about Shufal, by the way, on a side note, I think he was the unsung hero on Sunday. And I think he has been since he's joined. I think he's been brilliant. I absolutely love him. But I honestly think we shouldn't fuck about now. We shouldn't wait till Christmas to start talking about his contracts because sooner or later, other clubs might get wind of the great job he's done against all odds at West Ham and start having behind-the-scenes conversations about him maybe going elsewhere. We don't want that to happen. So I think we're at a 10-game mark now, and I really do believe that we have to tear up the process, sit him down, and pay him a respectable wage, not a piss-take of a wage, a respectable Premier League wage, and say, do you know what, Dave? You proved you proved yourself here, and the players all like you. They all, you know, sing from the same hymn sheet when it comes to you taking this club forward. Here's X amount. Sign here and sign for two or three years. And I really think we should do that. And I genuinely feel like I've, I've I must be stand, I must stand to be corrected now because mm. uh, I think he's doing a great job, and you cannot argue with it. You touched on it earlier on. You might throw off the old argument that he's making substitutions too late. Well, to be honest, you know, if you look at the performances over the last seven or eight games, you haven't really needed to make substitutions. So the fact that he's making them at all is something. But how much more, as West Ham fans, do we want from David Moyes? And I just think we've been through the mill. We've had some shit. We've had managers come and go and had our spirits raised just to be crushed. But in David Moyes, you've got a safe pair of hands, who's also a British manager, that you've got to say... You know, he's doing a great job and, and long may it continue. But that can only continue if we sit him down and offer him a new deal. 
Yeah, and I think the important thing that you said there as well is is how popular he is with the players. Um, you know, even Jack Wilshire, despite the fact that he seems to want to slate everything to do with the club, um, has came out and said he likes the manager and he thought the manager did good training sessions and stuff. And I think that's about the only positive he's managed to say about the club that he supposedly supports. So that you know that that's a indicator of how popular he is. I know when he, you know, was first talked about coming back for the for the second time um the players were very keen for it to happen and another thing that i think he's done which uh, we haven't said yet but i think is really important is the recruitment of the backroom staff as well you know he's in uh, alan irvine so a tried and trusted colleague that he's worked with for you know uh, ever since his Everton Preston days, so someone he can trust, you know, someone that when um, Moyes was off with COVID, he could rely on to take the team. You got Stuart Pearce, you got a, an icon of the game, an ex West Ham player, icon of the game, a, a leader, a defensive player, a set piece taker. You got Kevin Nolan, another ex West Ham player, another ex West Ham captain, you know, that knows knows what it's like to play for his club, another set-piece specialist. You know how he used to work off Andy Carroll for so many years, a popular fella, likeable lad. you got Nevin, who's known to be one of the most, the best technical coaches around, uh, very highly rated there. Um, and I think he's put together a really impressive backroom team. And I, and I think that deserves credit as well. And I, I just think it's good to be a West Ham fan right now. Things actually mm. feel feel positive, you know, like in a in a world and a society and you know a, a particular stage of my life as well where things are I guess challenging usually in my life West Ham have added to the woes but at the mm-hmm. moment, at the moment they're providing a, a decent distraction and mm-hmm. uh, you know we play Aston Villa next I mm-hmm. can see I think we'll win that mm-hmm. um, we play Man United after that I believe I'm not that fearful of that game. Um, and, I, and I'm looking at the fixtures and I'm thinking, you know, really, really, I don't want to get carried away here, but we're, we're in with a good chance of actually achieving beyond what I thought we were going to do this year. Mm, I think you're right. I think you're right. Well, I mean, it, it, surely it's only got to be injuries, suspensions and complacency that's going to stop us from doing it. Mm, because, mm. you know, collectively as a group, we seem to be playing with such consistency and with consistency comes confidence and with confidence comes an expectation of winning. Um, I mean, on Sunday we did, thanks to a goal from Sebastian Hilaire. And I've got to ask you about him. What did you think of his overall game? Um, He's always dividing opinion, isn't he? Like I'm trying desperately to be, um, for one of for one of a better word neutral when it comes to him so i'm trying like i know what i thought of him previously i know what i thought of him and i've made very clear on this podcast i think i was one of the first people to express concerns about him um but i also don't want to be known as a, a lair hater so i'm trying to be like subjective and take each performance as it comes now i i think he played well, I would say I'm not I'm well in my eyes is a little bit too strong, but I'm gonna but I don't want it to be negative, so I'm gonna go with well. I still think he could have done things better. I still think occasionally there was times enough well, come on, move there or do this or do that. But on the whole, I think he played well. He won 
a, a numerous headers um, which went to our players. He created chances. A couple of times I saw him making the right runs and he wasn't passed to. And, you know, that goes back to what you and numerous other people have said about the service. There was a couple of times, one that stands out in my head particularly was when Fornells could have just literally square past it and he would have been through on goal and he didn't. And I don't know what Hilaire could have done more to make it obvious he was there and he obviously scored a good goal. So if you take all of that into account, I would say it was a good performance. And I think with Antonio, you know, due to be available for selection against Aston Villa, I would still continue with Allaire up top on his own and Antonio on the subs bench because of a new of a couple of reasons. I don't want to rush Antonio back. Um, and second of all, I like to try and give forwards particularly a chance to build upon when they've scored and when you've paid 45 million for one you obviously all want to do all you can to get him to perform so i would keep him as the as the forward if we're not winning i would then bring antonio on to play alongside hilaire and go for the win because i think we've got to try and beat the likes of aston villa um so i'm pleased for him i think the goal for ivory coast yes it was against madagascar or someone <laughs> you know internationally as you i think it was actually madagascar who i didn't even know had a football team if i'm honest <laughs> with you um so so it's not not the greatest of um a achievements it's still a goal as a goal and i'm glad he's got that i'm glad he scored for west ham um and i just hope he can build on it now because no one no one that supports west ham wants to wants to admit that well you know wants to be proven right that Lair's not as good as people have said he was they want him to be the top player and if they don't i'd question question them as fans um but you know, he, he's got to keep building on it. And the, the Allaire cult will not accept anything other than he's got 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10 for every performance. I wouldn't say it's that strong. I wouldn't say that I've been proven wrong about Allaire yet. But I think he's got a decent platform to kick on from now. Mm. Yeah, I think he played well. I think it took him a while to get into the game. Uh, I think he definitely showed us the qualities that he has got. I mean, he was good in the air, like you said, incredibly strong on the ball. His link-up play was good. And I think he's always looking for the right ball to play. And uh, for that reason, I think he done well. Uh, he got the goal. I was delighted for him. It, the assist to Suchek was brilliant. I mean, the cushioned header and the fact that he spotted that run. How the fact Tom's missed out, I don't know. Yeah. But we'll let him off. Um so overall, you know, look, we want to see him get games. We want to see him score goals. That's what he's there to do. Um, I thought it was decent. I thought it was decent. Let's talk about the celebration or lack mm. of one. Mm. How much do you read into that? I mean, should we really give a shit what he does after scoring for West Ham? Or should, um, or should we be mm. concerned that he isn't as elated as the fans are that he's just put the ball in the back of the net? No, I don't really care, to be honest with you, with the celebration, because, you know, sometimes certain players have that persona, you know, where they, they don't really celebrate that much. You know, Eric Cantona, there's been goals when he didn't. You know, there's been other players that don't. I, I, I'm really not that bothered, you know. In some ways, I quite like that celebration because it shows an air of confidence about him that yes, I've scored that goal and it's a good goal, but so what? I'm a good player. I should be scoring those goals. I quite like it. I, I wouldn't read too much into the, the celebration at the end of the day. Like, of course we all ideally, if he was to pick the, the celebration that a player is going to give, ideally you want all West Ham players to go mental and kiss the badge and love it and be delighted. But I actually don't care. It, you know, 
what he does if he's scoring for West Ham. He can cry. He can go and kick the corner flag. He can go and kiss David Moyes. You know, he can run around with his shirt off. I don't care. What I want him to do is just play well and score for West Ham. Let mm. the fans do the celebrating. He do the performing. And I don't think it's a case of um, he doesn't care. Because if you look at the interview actually afterwards, I was very impressed with that interview and how he kind of conducted himself. I think he said the right thing. I think he said the right thing on the website this week as well, post-game. And I think he... Um, I don't think you can judge a player by by their celebration. No. No. It reminds me a bit of Balotelli. Yeah, actually. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He's got that swagger, that attitude, that slight air of arrogance. And uh, the trouble I, is, that's that's fine when you're doing well and you're scoring goals, but the fans won't like it if it goes the other way. Mm. Um, I, I just think we have to accept him for what he is. Uh, as I've always said and still stand by, that the fact that he definitely has some qualities. And whilst he has potential to have bad games, I think he's always capable of giving us those game-changing moments. And players mm. like that are important. I mean, I, I think we have to accept him for what he is because win, lose or draw, he's going to show the same emotion because that's mm. who he is. Exactly. And I think, you know, there's been players throughout the years, like you said, Balotelli is one, Anelka is another, you know, there's yep. there's forwards, Ibrahimovic, you know, yes, he does celebrate goals, but he also does the arrogance as well, you know, um, you know, you look at David Beckham's goal against um, Wimbledon when he scored from his own half. You know, he just kind of, yeah, obviously he looked pleased and was smiling with his arms up. But it was that kind of nod of, look at me, look at, I'm I'm here, look, I'm the man type thing. And yeah, like I said, it, it doesn't really bother me at all in terms of celebration. Um, yes, there's iconic celebrations where players have gone mad and you love it. You know, like I, I can picture Scott Parker, you know, that passion. I think it was the Wigan game maybe mm. when he ran off you know i can picture carlos tevez jumping into the crowd when he scored his first goal against tottenham um you know there's there's those celebrations that you know are iconic because of the passion the player has shown but you know if if he scores the winner in the cup final and he does that same celebration he, he did against Sheffield united who who gives a shit? Seriously, I, mm. I, don't, I don't think I don't think you can look into that. The only problem you've got, like you say, is that if West Ham fans are questioning his passion for the club and his attitude, it just gives further reason to criticise. If if you're thinking that anyhow, and maybe it would be in his interest to celebrate to try and knock that on the head, but mm. but for me, it doesn't make any difference really. I don't think. Pablo Fornells came in for a bit of stick on Sunday. Some of it was very harsh, actually, which, after a, w a win, was quite disappointing. That said, what did you make of his performance? It's the same opinion I have every week of him. Yeah. That, that sometimes I think, wow, that's really good. He's creative. Well done. Good play. You've got a lot of potential, mate. You're a good player. And then other times I think, why have you not passed now? Why have you not mm. seen that? Why have you shot there? Why has your technique let you down? You're too slow for a winger. Things like that. So I have, it seems like I vary very like I'm, it almost feels like I'm fickle when it comes to him because for 10 minutes I'll love him and then for the next 10 minutes I think what are you doing and so I've, I'm still in indecisive and what I think I've got what he's got in his favour is the fact that he's young and hopefully in-game decisions and things like that will come with more experience. So I'm erring on the side of the fact that I think he is a good player and I do believe maybe he's better more centrally as we always say um, but 
I'm airing towards thinking you should start with Ben Rama over him now. I mean, I've been saying that for a, a number of weeks, but I just think it gives more balance. I think it gives more, more like directness. But then I always say, don't change a winning team. So I am very, very torn as to whether that's the right thing to do. Um, certainly, Fanaus is not a contender for Hammer of the Year for me. When I think there's like four or five that could be, um, but I think that doesn't necessarily mean he's not been a good player. Because again, whilst it wasn't a, a an assist as in a clear cut through ball type thing, he technically got the assist for Hilaire, you know, and he must be in terms of goals and assists combined, one of our most productive players. <laughs> so it's, so it's a really, really tough one to call, I think. Yeah, it is. And I think the majority of West Ham fans really like him. Um, but I don't know. I look at the Villa game and I think Ben Rahm has got to be starting that for me. Because I just think it's perfect for him, in my opinion. We'll be on the front foot. We're at home. I think he'll be chomping at the bit to have a crack at their fallbacks. And um, I just think they can, there's potential for them to really struggle against him because he's so skillful. And, and again, he can create. He's already got an assist to his name. Um, and I just think that it, it's not easy to say. Because it's a complicated case with full nails. It's exactly like you said, and it's actually like I just said. You know, you can go. You have players that can go missing sometimes, but then can produce that moment in a football game that changes everything. And he's the potential to be one of those. But I do find myself getting quite frustrated with him on a regular basis. And it's interesting because one of our patrons mentioned earlier today, and he put it in the questions, and it didn't make the questions because I thought it was more of a statement, really. But he said, "How is it?" Full Nails constantly gets criticised, yet Jared Bowen doesn't. And I don't know if this is right, but he said he hasn't got one assist this season, Jared Bowen. Mm, mm. Now, I don't, don't know if that's right or not, but if we talk about Jared for a second, do you agree with that? I mean, how do you feel about him? Um, I can see the, the question, the 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 listener's point of view that yes, why does, you know, like I said, in terms of productivity, Fornells is probably more, much more productive than Bowen. Um, from memory, Bowen has scored against, was it Leicester? And I can't think of anything else, mate. I might be missing something glaringly obvious, but that, that's what I, all I can think of off the top of my head. I think with Bowen, the difference maybe is he's, work rate arguably like he's up and down up and down up and down up and down he's more direct so he seems to be perhaps buzzing around the area also i don't remember too many key moments where i've thought bowen you should have passed there or bowen you should have shot there might have been one or two but there's not been as many as i've thought for for finals and mm. i think maybe that's what it is that finals is exposed a couple of times now where big moments where he should have passed or should have shot or whatever. And maybe, maybe that's what it is. Um, but yeah, it's a fair point. I, I said, uh, if you read the Patreon site, I did a, I did a, a very brief like match review of the game afterwards. And I said, literally that I said, Fabianski back on form, back free, superb wing backs, you know, offering us a lot. Suchek, 
good, really good. Rice, world class, went for all of them. Hilaire, better, uh, much better today. But I said the only two people that you could maybe have question marks over their contribution, and I said was Fennells and Bowen, and I did say Bowen. Um, but I'm prepared to sort of, but give both of them, give both of them a a bit more. You know, I'm not going to start getting on their back at all because I do like both of them. I think both of them are good players. The difference is with with Bowen, I guess the like for like replacement for him, if he was to drop him, is either Yarmolenko or um, Antonio playing out there and keeping Hilaire up front. Whereas for for now's, you've got the obvious replacement, which is Ben Rama, whose position that is, and it's the new signing, and everyone wants to see him. So I think that was also probably a factor that there's a more obvious change that that you could make for Fennell's than perhaps there is with Bowen. I find it very hard to criticise Bowen because week in, week out, he gives his heart and soul to this club, and I can never knock a player that tries that hard. And I think it's difficult when you assess him because on paper... He's been fucking useless. Mm. <laughs> that's mm. that's a fact. And and in comparison to Pablo, he doesn't compare. You know, again, on paper, he's probably our worst player. But if you look beyond that, I think he's been great for us since he signed. And my opinion is, the more time he spends in the Premier League, the better he'll become. Because it's not... When you look at how well West Ham are doing at the moment, it isn't necessarily purely down to assists and goals. It is the work rate. It's a defending from the front. It's the pressure that Jared Bowen is putting on the defence and the left-back and the wing-back and the attacker. It's the fact that he's always dropping... And, and getting that ball when he's hungry to get and break at pace. And it creates space for other people. And I think that Jared is a typical case of a bit of an unsung hero on the pitch, which is strange for a winger, because normally that's quite a glamorous role. But he does so much donkey work that I think goes unnoticed in terms of what that then does for the rest of the team, going forward or defending, that I think it just goes under the radar a little bit. And I, I love Jared, I really do. And I go back to saying, you know, he's only what, how long has he been in the Premier League now? Well, it's when we signed him, isn't it? So, what was that last January? Last January. So, it's it's not even a year yet. And I think, you know, especially kicking on from next season, he'll get better and better and better. And he strikes me with the sort of mentality that he has and the type of professional that he is. I think he will be that player that will look at himself and ask himself, what can I improve on? What do I need to do to up my game? Right? Do I need to score more goals? Okay, I'll hit the training pitch and I'll and I'll work hard after every session, a good hour or two when all the lads have gone home. I think he's that sort of player. And I just think his work rate alone um, is potentially going a bit unnoticed, really. And uh, mm-hmm. like I say, I love him. He's another signing that we've made that I think a lot of. I really, it's a, really do. It's a real like likable team at the moment. I mean, not yeah. just in terms of performance, but actually in terms of characters. You know, like if you go through that team, I know some people. What that you know they say, Hilaire doesn't come across well, but actually, I can speak for him that he is another very popular player on the training ground. People, the players like him. He's kind of as you'd expect, laid back, quite calm. You know, jo- like you know, Joker. The, he's he's popular. The players like him. That that you go through that team and you can see that they're all close. They're all got good relationships with each other. There's no one that seems like you know, like yeah, you're kind of aloof character that. You know, people don't like, and there's clicks and stuff. It's not like that at the moment. There seems to be a real good team spirit. And I honestly believe 
every team that is successful has to have good team spirit. You can have the best players in the world, but if you don't have that team spirit, you don't win. And it can lift teams that are fairly average to being achieving more than what they perhaps should. It's so important. And that's why credit to, I guess, the likes of FIFA with its chemistry and football <laughs> manager with its like morale and stuff have actually really made that a key feature of the game because it is so important um and um yeah and i think at the moment with Moyes and the backroom staff and the players we've got they've created a real good good atmosphere there now and i think you've got the perfect balance in terms of i always believe you you shouldn't have too many um british players um because you miss that kind of flair that creativity that kind of that like the culture you miss that kind of discipline as well in terms of like diets and like not 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 i know i'm stereotyping massively here but not in terms of like you know you know drinking habits and stuff like that whereas you but you also need a british core that have that kind of you know the respect in the sense like for west ham they have the sort of the the the, the fans obviously they have that affiliation i guess a bit more so and i think it's always important to have a good balance between the two and I think we've got it right. You know, you've got your you've got your British players like Cresswell, Noble, Rice, Antonio, Bowen, um, and then you've got your you've got your foreign players like Suchek and Kafal and Balbuena and Ogbonna and Fabianski and Alaire and so on. And I think it's just a real good balance between the two as well. Mm. Um, funnily enough, that was a question uh, for tonight. Was um, was from yeah from Mart. Uh, Marcin Luft, and he was asking uh, the perception of Haller among the players. Is he a likable lad or a bit of an outcast? So you've answered that pretty well there. And, uh, yeah, no, he I'm, is liked. Yeah, I'll make you spot on about the chemistry. Um, now, without question, he'll be an integral part of the dressing room off the pitch and on a training pitch. But who would have thought we'd have achieved that level of chemistry on the pitch without Mark Noble? I know, I know. It's it's a big thing, and I think another credit to be given to Moyes is that he's the the first manager. And I know, obviously, age is also a factor in this, but he's the first manager to think, right? You know what? Maybe Noble, Noble, sorry, is a better. Um, player from the bench than he is a starter now and it's taken you know fans have said that for two three years at least and it's finally taken someone to do that and he's given the captaincy to rice at the moment and i i think it's the right decision you know i think i think noble should be on the bench i, I think he's still got a part to play for this club and i would keep him there certainly for this year I would, i'd make sure he was there next year as well um and keep him and maybe even the year after but more as a squad player than than a first teamer and he's done that and i and i think you know the captain is the youngest player on the pitch but he's got such respect from all the other players that like they don't have a problem with that um and it, it just see like you said it just see it just seems like so right and i think when they're recruiting players now they're recruiting players with um character as one of the key attributes now both tony carr um to us and dave hunt who was involved in the recruitment have both stated that character of the person is as important as the actual ability and you look at you know you look mm -hmm. at shafal and you look at suchek 
not only are they both good players, but they've just fitted in perfectly. They've got like that, that right attitude. They seem really happy to be playing for West Ham. They seem like they're really, obviously they're good mates, but they seem to have settled in really well with all the other players as well. And I think when you're looking, you know, Gerard Bowen, another signing, settled in perfectly. You know, Randolph is a popular figure as well. Obviously, mm. people knew him from his spell at the club the first time, but he's a popular figure. Brought brought him back. Um, you know, all all the signings that Moyes has made since he's, since he's been here um, the second time have all been the right characters as well. You know, we're in this, yeah. we've made mistakes with Anderson mm. arguably in the past. You could arguably say with other players who signed a Jetty maybe obviously wasn't given the chance, but was he the right character for the club? You know, you go through some of the signings in recent years and you think, uh, you know, maybe we just just didn't get it right there. Um, but it seems like we haven't made a bad signing since Moyes has been back. Mm-hmm. And look, how many ex-players have we interviewed or spoken to? And we've spoken to them about the good times in their career. And what made them tick? Why was we successful during that given time? And every single one of them, on every single occasion, will tell you we had a good group of lads. We had a good group of lads. Everyone got on. Everyone fought for each other. And it just goes such a long way. You know, if you've got a team full of quality and every single one of them's a prick and they won't do fuck all for each other, they'll probably struggle to stay in the Premier League. Whereas if you've got a team of mates and fighters that might be lacking a bit of quality, they'll do so much better. You've only got to look at the likes of Burnley and Sheffield United. Really, when you look at their squads, they've got no divine right to be in that Premier League. But they obviously all get on. They've got camaraderie. They've got chemistry. And they fight for each other every single week. And obviously, hitting that magic button is when you get the combination of quality... And likability. And that's something I think West Ham has struggled with in recent times, probably because of our inferior complex of attracting big players. We've gone for these fucking show ponies that are struggling on the fringes of a half-decent club that have just come to West Ham and we're all dancing a jig because we think we've got a potential well-beater that everyone else has missed. But really and truly, they're just coming for a pay packet. And we've made that mistake far too many times. Whereas, you know, ironically, the recruitment's been so good without a scouting network. Again, how the fuck we've managed that, I don't know. But that is where we've been clever because the signings that we've made, A, I'd never even heard of, or B, I just hadn't considered. Like your likes of Jarrah Bowen, for example, you know, or even your Ben Rama. Um, until we were linked with him. I'm not too sure I'd heard of him too many times. But then you start to look at your real nuggets and you look at the the Sucheks and the Shufals and you think, fucking, that is such a good signing. And it's like you're saying, if all the boys like each other and the cherry on the cake is that they all really, really, really like the manager, that is only ever going to be a recipe for success. Yeah, exactly. That's right. And it, it, it's just nice to have this positivity to talk about, mate. I mean, how many times oh. over the years have we had this podcast where we're sitting there criticising players or the manager yeah. or performances or what have you, and we've been longing for this time where things feel right. And I would say since we've been doing the podcast, 
I would say arguably, and this includes when we were doing really well with Pellegrini at the start, I would say this includes um, when, we, when did we start doing the podcast? Is when we moved to the London Stadium, wasn't it? Yeah, so so I think I think in the time we've been doing this podcast, three to four years, this is the most positive I've felt about the team and and the 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 football side of things as far as West Ham goes um, in in that time. And I and I hope we can build on it. But the the, the problem with West Ham, to, to sorry to then make it a negative, is that you know, like our dreams, they fade and die. So how long are we going to keep? this going for i mean looking at the fixtures it should be a really good run of games that we've got now um mm. but you just never ever 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 know with west ham what's going to happen you know we 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 could lose to aston villa I'd, I'd like to think we wouldn't but you know you look i'm looking at the fixtures now aston villa i feel like we should win that yeah. manchester united I feel like we could get a result against them. Leeds, I think we could get a good result, although that is quite a tricky game. Mm. Palace at home, I think we mm. could get that. Okay, Chelsea away, tough. Then Brighton at home, Southampton away, it's, it's tough. So, I, I mean, let's go up to West Ham, Brighton. Uh, so that's one, two, three, four, five, six fixtures. The only one that I'm thinking, uh, probably write that one off, maybe. And you never know, because we beat them twice last year, is the Chelsea one. Mm, mm. You know, and if we let's say, let's say we pick up twelve points out of six games, twelve points, we're going to be we're going to be right up there. Yeah, oh, we are without a shadow of a doubt. I think as it stands, we're only a couple of points off a of fifth. Yeah, um, so we're doing really well, and we're not now talking two or three games in where everyone's getting a bit carried away. You know, we're going to be approaching a busy Christmas period. And if we get that right, before you know it, you're going to be halfway through the season and we could be sitting very pretty. And let's not forget, this is also a season of surprises. Look at Man City. Look at Man United. You know, there, there are teams that are struggling who don't normally struggle. Yeah. And it really feels like anyone can beat anyone at the moment. But if you look across the board, Look, I don't spend much time studying other clubs, but I think you do well to find a, another club with as much momentum and as much of a feel-good factor that West Ham has at the moment. Mm. It's it's such a good time to be a fan. And, you know, look, we're, we're all West Ham fans. We all know how the fucking story ends. We'll probably fuck it up somewhere along the line. But, you know, I just think, how nice would it be for the first time since moving from Upton Park to have a manager that we we're all behind um, a team of players that we really enjoy watching and a stadium that we tolerate and actually enjoy going to because the performances and the results are so good. Exactly. You know? But do you, know, do you know what though, mate? Let's, let's put this out there. How much of the current situation, and I'm asking it as a question rather than a statement, how much of the current situation is down to the fact that there are no fans? And, um, and, and has that benefited West Ham? That was also another question tonight. Oh, is it? So, okay. so don't answer reason, it. Then. I'm not going to answer it. Yeah, okay, fair <laughs> enough. I've no fucking questions left. That's <laughs> right. But yeah, but it's, a, but it's yeah, an interesting one. I mean, yeah. it, there's there's clubs that you, if you look at the Premier League at the moment, and like you said, the power or the momentum seems to be shifting. I mean, I'm looking at the table as much as it pains me. Spurs are obviously sitting joint top with Liverpool, Chelsea third, but then you've got Leicester fourth. I don't know if you've seen the plans that they've that have been leaked about their new stadium that they're um, potentially going to 
going to be making for themselves. But my word, that is how you make a stadium. Leicester are potentially steamrolling themselves to being a really big club soon. Um, Southampton, I mean, how well has their manager done? You know, like he's he's just done brilliantly there. You know, they're fifth in the league. I don't look at Southampton's team and think, wow, look at all the stars they've got. You know, they've brought back a, an ageing Theo Walcott home. You know, they've got players in that team. That they always seem to be able to recruit well and bring people through the academy, but you know they're sitting fifth, Everton in sixth. They've bought really well, as I tried to tell West Ham fans, I've got abuse for Ancelotti as a top manager. Yeah, me, I can't believe the stick I, you and I got for saying that. Uh, to me, it's like saying to someone that water's wet and then people trying to argue with you. I don't, don't get it. But anyway, Aston Villa, you know, had a decent season, sitting seventh, and then there's us in eighth. And, you know, I just... And that doesn't... I think I saw another statistic. They were, they were ranking... Um, each team's start to the season in terms of the level of hardness of the opponents and they and it showed that West Ham statistically had the hardest starts of the season because they ranked it upon positions that the clubs were in at the end of last season. So considering we've played the champions in Liverpool, we've played second place in Man City, we've played Tottenham, we've played Leicester, we've played Wolves, um, you know, played Arsenal, we've played we've, Sheffield United had a good season last year. You know, we've played all all of the sort of top teams from last year. Um, you know, it's it's we haven't played the like you know, like we've played Fulham, but we haven't played the likes of, you know, your your West Broms um and uh, uh like that sort of team so much you've played the top teams yeah yeah i make you right i know i mean look at the beginning of the season we looked at that fixture list and realistically we said the only game we can see ourselves winning there's newcastle yeah and then when we lost to newcastle Fucking all hell, hell broke loose, wasn't it? I was at my peak with the fucking Moyes out. Fanta <laughs> pubes. Yeah, Fanta pubes, you know. And um, and I just thought we could literally be bottom by Christmas very easily. We could be pointless over the next eight games. I mean, I was thinking of all sorts of worst-case scenarios because what the computer threw up for us was awful. It was mm. a terrible start for us. Yeah. And I just look at the fact that we've come through that and we're sitting eighth whilst also playing enjoyable football. And I, I don't know what the fuck's happened. I don't know if the, the spell has been lifted off of West Ham, but it just feels liberating at the moment. Because, mm. you know, again, without wanting to repeat myself, in David Moyes, you've got someone who was dead and buried by a lot of fans, myself included. You've got the players who we were scratching our heads because we're saying, look, they're, they're better than what they're delivering and we can't seem to find a formation or a system and we're not, it's not working. And we should be beating and then you know you've got the fans not being allowed to be back into the stadium and is that going to be a, a good thing or a bad thing so to have come through all of that sitting where we're sitting it just um i don't know as we do this podcast it just feels really good and do you know what for the first time again since we've left upton park i'm sitting here and i don't know if i'm going to shoot myself in the face here because it is a little bit naive because we've only played eight or nine games genuinely thinking we could have a serious crack at a Europa League spot this season. Mm. And, I, yeah. and I'm hesitant saying that, but why not? 
Mm-hmm. I know, I agree with you. And if we do, then Moyes is ahead of expectations massively oh, because you know yeah. I, I was I was just hoping for a season where we weren't in a relegation battle. So mm. for it to be you know up to that, or I mean, uh, uh, if you look at the league already, and again, like it is ridiculously early to, to call this, but if you look at 18th, which is Fulham, they have four points, and we got 14. So already we're 10 points, three wins and a draw above the relegation spot. So, you know, we're sitting in a in a decent position already in terms of the first objective of staying up. Um so, you know, I think I think um yeah, we we gotta we gotta look for it. Look for the positivism. You know, let's take the FA Cup seriously, please, for once and put our strongest yeah. team out in that. Yeah. See how we go for that. And you know, who knows? We might qualify for Europe, win the FA Cup and none of us would have been able to watch it in person. Which yeah. just <laughs> just me, just be the, the the typical West Ham chapter. Yeah, it would be. It would be. So we're both saying that we 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 both think we could win the double this season. We're I think, both hanging I, our hats on that. Yeah, I think so. Then then I think England will win the Euros. Um, and I, th- <laughs> I don't give a fuck about that. <laughs> and I think Boris Johnson might make a, a convincing decision on something, and the world <laughs> the world is back to the utopia that we always wanted it to be. Yeah, and you might beat me at a game of squash. <laughs> Mate, I'm let's calm ourselves down a little. <laughs> I am the rain. Champion, so for form suggests that that's not even the anything to brag about. <laughs> Speaking of competitions, should we move on to talk about that? Uh, you know what, mate, you, you can do. Um, I haven't made any notes on this, and I don't know if you're going to tell me how oh, that's convenient or not because I don't, I don't know how I got on per se. I do know because I looked the other day at fantasy football, and I'm pretty sure, unless I've got it wrong, I actually beat you at the week. End on fantasy football. No, you got it wrong, mate. Because yeah, I, I had a, I, I did a classic Dave and I had a number of players on my bench that scored better than players that were meant to be in the team and then I had a load of injuries. So, for example, I had Son on the bench um, and obviously he scored, um, but Lacazette didn't play. Well, neither did Salah, so he came in for me. And then I had Dallas for Leeds who kept a clean sheet on my bench and again... Can't remember who it was that didn't play now, but he came in. So actually, when you looked at it, you would have seen um, it wrong. So you actually got fifty-four points, and I got sixty-six points. So yeah. I'm I'm now on five hundred and ten, and you're on four hundred and seventy-nine. So it's not a huge difference, oh. but. Um, but yeah, I'm still sitting there. And then obviously on the prediction game, um, have you looked at that one? No, I haven't. I don't know anything about that, actually. It's funny how I, you I, lose I interest when you're not winning. <laughs> no, 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 mate, to be fair, I'm, all, I'm literally getting used to telling everyone how you're beating me at both. So, no, it's, it's credit where credit's due. I do normally tell it how it is, but I, I genuinely don't know about it. Okay. So this week I scored 97 and you scored 66. So um, uh, I, that makes me what, seven, oh, what, 714. You got 622. So quick maths. Uh, Still, 92. No, 92 difference. It is quite close. I mean, I, I sit at the moment. I am 78th. Um, and I think, if I remember correctly, you're sort of round about... The hundred mark, uh, 
Let's have a look. She trying to randomly find your name very quickly without giving the most boring few minutes to the <laughs> listener while I do it. Um, but uh, yeah, the longer no. it takes, the uh, the better news it's going to be. I think because you're obviously flicking through the pages. I am. I'm now on page four, and I haven't oh. seen you. No, you yeah. must have been I think I think I may have skipped you because yeah, these people. What what points did I say you had? Uh, fucking, I can't remember. I was just wallowing in my own depression at the time. So Did I say 6.14? But um, maybe on the other page. Maybe you're on page three. 92 points difference, which ain't a lot. I can't oh. imagine I'm past page Oh, four. there you are. There you are. You're 146. Oh, that's not great. No, you're, you're falling down. You're, you're, you're um, sandwiched between Deb's 1169 <laughs> and uh, Alfie King. Around, yeah, but around you know, that regions. tells me, though, if there's only 92 points difference between us, which, let's remember, a correctly predicted West Ham score is worth 80 points. So that shows you how close this is. Mm. There must be a fag paper in it between me and you and everyone else in between. There must be a lot of people there or thereabouts on the same points. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, the fact is, right, so I'm 78th at the moment. Um and I've got, uh, where have I gone? I've got 714 points, right? And first place has got, um, okay, they are quite high. I've got 1,090, <laughs> 1, but still yeah. it's like reasonably goes, oh, I've just noticed Jazz Uphall is in fourth. You know, Jazz is a big supporter yeah, of our, yeah, uh, of yeah, our yeah. events. Well, and I think Simon Anderson is in fifth place. His name, I seem to link with our events as well. So there's quite a, quite a few people have, Interest. I oh, think number one, mate. You got to no, put number on the one is Scotch Curran. Number yes, two, he's been there about. Yeah, is number two is Tony Close. Number three is uh, just say Ward Jones, and then Jazz is in fourth, and um, Simon's in fifth. So yeah, I think yeah. <laughs> a person in nineteenth place. I thought we'd ask to change his name. Um, clearly, we haven't because that stands out quite a lot in capital sure, letters. Dave Walker, mate, wasn't it? No, yeah, no. It's uh, uh, well. If it was, you need to change your name because it currently says "fuck Millwall and Spurs." Um, so, uh, it's definitely me. Yeah, it's definitely me. Put me back to Dave Walker, mate. I'll, I'll take, start with well, well, I just, I just noticed that Tom Davis. I don't know if it's the Tom Davis, but he's in thirty, thirtieth. I wonder how Frank Macavelli's getting on. I know he weren't far behind me, Frank. So um, I'm not sure. I'm not okay. sure, but look, it's still early days. I mean, yes, I, I'm honest, and um, I put my cards on the table. I, I just the, the fantasy football. I can just see that ebbing away from me week after week after week. I enjoyed a good run of it, and I had a laugh with you for the first six weeks. Now I think it's just um, it's just a fucking waste of time me playing that fucking share of shit. But the predictions league for me, uh, I think that's all to play for. I think watch that space. I think I'm I'm just. I'm understated at the moment. I'm like a great white shark circling deep underneath the ocean, just waiting for you to jump out the pedlo one week. And that is when I'm going to strike. And then, uh, and then the tables will turn. I've got a good feeling. Okay, well, we'll see, mate. You know, at the end of the day, like if squash is anything to go by, you'll do a few. You'll do a few little wins here and there, but the ultimate champion will be will be in the X camp. <laughs> Fucking, what are you like? Right, listen, Aston Villa on Monday. Um, you've already said that you expect to win. Mm. What are you saying score-wise? 
I mean, don't get me wrong, Aston Villa are no mugs. Aston Villa are a good team. Greenish is a very good player. Um, I like Aston Villa. I like I like them. I think they're a good team. I like them as a club. Uh, Villa Park is the first away ground I ever went to because um, I went to the West Ham, Notts Forest um, semi-final, um, which was at Villa Park. But I'm going to go with another 1-0 win. Yeah, OK, 1-0 win. Uh, I feel slightly more confident and I'm going to go for a 2-0 win. OK. Right, it's that time again. X, the man in the know. He keeps you in bombs rain or snow. His opinion is in demand. There ain't another ITK that I can stand. To listen to the rest of this podcast, you need to be a patron of the West Ham Way. Becoming a patron couldn't be easier. Just visit www.patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash the West Ham Way and confirm your subscription to get full access to the West Ham Way podcast, our second weekly show called the West Ham Way podcast, Extra Time, classic clips of audio and video interviews, exclusive news from X, match day team news before anyone else, an exclusive forum, live Q&As with myself and X, monthly prize draws, discounts on events and merchandise, and behind-the-scenes content, all of which for just £5 a month. It's Macy's Labor Day sale, so gear up as summer cools down with 30% off timeless looks from Levi's and specials like 30 to 50% off statement-making shoes for her and 60% off luggage from Samsonite and more. Or use your coupon or Macy's card and get an extra 20% off more great deals. Plus, Star Rewards members can earn rewards even faster during Macy's Star Money bonus days. Going on now. Savings off regular sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Hey, Becky, do you like this beat? Mm, I'm into faster stuff lately, like Xfinity that gives me beyond gig speeds. What about this, then? Powerful, just like Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary, not guaranteed. Requires compatible Xfinity gateway. Limited quantities available. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.